And today we're gonna talk about fasting because we're up to the point in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus, he's talking about loads of things that are um, acts of righteousness, you know, the good things that we do um, that flow from our lives because we are Christians, because we are uh, his followers. And we are in Matthew chapter six, we're in verses 16 through 18. And uh, last week, Jesus taught us how to pray, right? What did he say? What are some of the things he said? Quick review. Don't pray like the hypocrites who pray to be heard rather than um, heard by man, rather than heard by God. They care more about people seeing them and thinking, ooh, how, how righteous they are, how godly they are, you know? Um, and that, Jesus says, is their only reward for a prayer like that, for a prayer that's not coming from the heart, that prayer that's just coming purely from, hey, I want to be seen, you know? Okay? Jesus also said, when you pray, not if. He's assuming that his followers are going to pray. Okay? It's not a when, it's an if. Okay? So I hope you have a prayer life. Where? Where are we to pray? Jesus said, go into your room and shut the door. So a private place, not necessarily your bedroom. Um, it could be your car. It could be a place where there are no prying eyes, where there's no one to impress, where you could be you before the Lord in honesty and say what you need to say and pour out your heart the way you need to pour your heart out without people looking at you and saying, ooh, look at them. Wow, they just pray so holy, you know, because then again, that is your only reward. But that's why Jesus says, go and do it in a private place, right? And what does he say also? He said, and your father, your heavenly father who sees in secret will reward you openly. So in this secret place with this audience of one who's God, he's the only one who's seeing you. There's reward in that, you know? And I say, the reward begins immediately, even before you get the things you, you've petitioned for. To me, the reward is also that God was in that secret place and he heard you and he saw you. Wonderful. What, what a blessing. And then Jesus gave us a model prayer, the prayer that we call the Lord's Prayer. You know, our Father who art in heaven, that prayer, that very famous prayer. So he gave us a prayer to model after our prayers, you know. And there were elements in that prayer that I discussed last week. I won't get into them again. You can watch last week. And um, we talk about the different elements Jesus showed us in a model prayer, what prayer can include, how, how it should be done before Father, before the Father. Okay, and then we wrapped it up and Jesus wrapped it up all nicely last week, that part about prayer, uh, talking about the importance of forgiving others um, and forgiving others uh, just as we have been forgiven. And Jesus says that it is the measure in which we forgive that God will forgive our sins. That is so thought provoking, a little disturbing. Yes, but the truth you know, and we have to let the truth that Jesus speaks rub our rough edges off. And yeah, it is a little disturbing to think that he says that as you want to be forgiven, you must forgive others. Wow, you know, it makes you think and go through your mind. What have people done to me that I'm holding a grudge? Uh, would I want God to hold a grudge against me? You know, would God not forgive me because I won't forgive them? He wants you to think about these things and they should be a little disturbing and they should rub off the rough edges, and they should cause us to change. We don't change the word. We allow the word to change us. Okay. 
also says, blessed are those who are not offended by, by Jesus and by what he says, right? So don't be offended. Just allow the word of God to work in you and change you and make you more like him. All right. And that's what we're learning in this beautiful sermon given by Jesus. We must always remember that this amazing sermon is Jesus, God with us, giving a sermon. And I always say this, I always say this, that if I was going to put it out on Twitter or Facebook or something and say, hey, everyone, God himself will be giving a sermon. You would all show up for that sermon because you'd be like, that is amazing. This is that sermon. It's recorded. His words are recorded. So this is that sermon that we turn up for. That is what God would say were he among us. And he was and he is. Amen. Wonderful. Okay. Today, we are going to be speaking about what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount on fasting. Um, And it's a natural like segue from from, um, prayer into fasting because fasting in scripture goes hand in hand with prayer. You will see that throughout the scriptures, Old Testament and New Testament. We even see how Jesus, um, uh, okay, we're gonna see how Jesus discusses the, the subject of prayer, okay. Now, he is telling us here in this scripture, let's read the scripture so, to see exactly, because it's not a lot that he's saying, uh, three verses, and it says this. Moreover, when you fast, again, when, do not be like the hypocrites, okay, who want to be seen, right? Um, but they don't really care what, you know, what the, what's actually happening. They don't care about the, the, the power and the, the truth and the, the amazing weapon that fasting is that God has given us. They just want to be seen. So Jesus is saying, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance. Make your face all sad, like, oh, I'm starving to death, you know, and look like hollows under the eyes and whatever you look all, ugh, you know. He doesn't want you to do that. For these hypocrites... They disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. They want to be seen fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. Again, when you do it with the wrong heart, without the right motive, that's it. You get your reward. You were seen. That's it. You got your reward. Hope you like it because that's all you're getting for that. And Jesus says that. That's not me. That's Jesus. But you, when you fast, he's saying this to his true followers who are not going to be hypocrites. You, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. That's an old-fashioned way his, in, in his era uh, of saying, put on your best face. You know, don't look all slovenly and not with your hair brushed. And put on your best face. Come out not looking like you're starving and you're hungry and you're grumpy, but put on your best face. Don't let people know you're fasting, okay? So that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your father who is in the secret place, again, the the audience of one, and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. What a beautiful promise, huh? What a beautiful promise. Okay, um... Let's talk about fasting then, because there's a wrong way to do it, and Jesus pointed that out to us. And the wrong way is with the completely wrong motive of just being seen. Let's talk about what fasting actually is, and why it's important, and why Jesus says when you fast, and not if, okay? When you pray, okay, these are reasons. These are reasons, um, uh, okay, 
What is fasting? Okay, sorry, I'm just a little unorganized this morning. Fasting is in the Bible is when a person or a group of people give up, give up food and sometimes drink as well for a period of time. So it's not just like, you know, to death because you would die if you didn't eat, didn't, you know, after a certain time. Um, in order to, they do this, they give up food, they give up water for a period of time to pray to inquire of the Lord and to seek his help in times of great trouble and impending calamity. That means there's problems or potential problems coming that they can see. So one of them is to pray, to talk to the Lord, to have, and one of them is inquiring of the Lord because there's a problem on hand. Okay, what's some of the other reasons? I got some other reasons here. Now, of course, my notes are not gonna turn, right? Um, as part of repentance, we see that in the Old Testament. Uh, so so uh, fasting came along with this heart of repentance. And also we see fasting in scripture as an act of worship. Okay. Let's go back and discuss that. Praying. So fasting goes along with praying and talking with the Lord. Fasting along with prayer, right? When, when, it's, um, when it's hand in hand with prayer, which we often see in scripture. Um, it helps... The fasting helps to give that prayer focus and causes a spirit, causes the spiritual senses to be sharper during that time of prayer. Um, I'm going to read Ephesians 6.18 and it says this, Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Right here, there's spe it's spe being spoken of spiritual alertness. Yes, you can have spiritual alertness where your spiritual ears are open to what is God saying. And as you're reading, your spiritual eyes are opened a little bit more intense and a little bit sharper when you're in a fast. And why is that? We're going to talk about this quite a bit. It's because you're weakening the body and you are purposely not feeding the flesh so as to be feeding the spirit person of yourself and making that grow and be stronger and therefore more um, allowing God to help you to, to, to see the spiritual, uh, to, to heighten your spiritual senses. That's the best way to put it, okay? So that's why you'll see it with prayer. Okay, I said it's also uh, was used to inquire of the Lord and seek his help in times of great trouble an impending calamity. An example of this, um, this is not impending calamity, this is in the New Testament, but this is a time when, when they were inquiring of the Lord. The uh, apostles in Acts chapter 13, verses two and three, they were praying and they were fasting. And in that, if you read this in Acts chapter 13, verses two and three, the Holy Spirit gives them wisdom in church decisions in who to lay hands on and release into ministry. So the Lord heightened their senses during that prayer and fasting time, and they were able to know amongst themselves as a group what to do. They were given wisdom by the Holy Spirit. Okay, we see this idea of praying and fasting with a time of calamity and impending doom in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. There was a king, King Jehoshaphat, and he called a fast of all the people of Israel. And, he, um, and um, it was because 
there was, uh, he had enemy armies that were going to come against him and he was not going to win. He saw that he was up against an impossible task and he took it to God, him and with all the people called a fast. And he said, we are going to fast and pray for the Lord to help us in this time. Give us wisdom um, in this impo impossible, impending calamity, this big battle that's going to come up that we are going to lose. He won the battle, okay? Um, then we see in 2 Samuel 12, 5, uh, 12, 16, we see that David, David fasted and he wept and he prayed when his child was dying, um, was sick and dying, his child that he had had with Bathsheba, if you remember. But he was also at this time in a time of great repentance uh, for his sin. I think, I think it is Psalm 51 where you can read about um, what was going on in, in his heart. He expresses it so clearly in Psalm 51 of, of his repentance during that time of prayer and fasting. Um, so you can see that heart of repentance where he says, um, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Remember that famous prayer that we know of in the Psalms? That's what he was praying for. He was repenting of that terrible sin that he had committed uh, with Bathsheba and... Um, and all that that entailed. We also see, <coughs> excuse me, Queen Esther. Remember Queen Esther? Remember when um, the, uh, the Jews were all going to be wiped out in a genocide by an evil man um, who was working with the, with the king at that time, who Esther was married to. Um, and Esther, when she was going to approach the king to, to stand up on behalf of her people, the Jews, um, what she asked for was that her uncle and all the Jews would fast and pray for her for this big thing she had to do, um, which, you know, it could have been, had it gone wrong, a complete genocide of the Jews. And so she said, pray and fast during this time and pray for me because I have this, this impending calamity uh, coming and, I, and we want to avert that. We, wanna, we want success from the Lord. In this, okay, um, and I said before it was as part of repentance we see fasting, and I, as I pointed out with David in that time when he was praying for his son, um, uh, but um, and I pointed out that he had a, a repentant heart. But we also see fasting and prayer in the way of repentance um, when Jonah. Do you remember the prophet Jonah, the one who got swallowed by a big fish? That's the very one when he was sent to Nineveh to preach to this very ungodly people. And God was calling Jonah to go preach to them that they might repent of their sins. And they did. And they were so sorrowful of all their sins that they fasted and they prayed. And the, um, the judgment that was meant to come upon them was averted by the Lord when he saw this, this heart in the people that they fasted and prayed and humbled themselves before God so much and saw, um, which was evident by the fact that they fasted. It was like a mournfulness in them over their sin. And they saw very clearly how far away from God they were and how gracious and merciful God was being toward them. And so therefore, uh, God honored their fasting and their praying. Okay, uh, we see it as an act of worship. I talked about that. Um, in Luke 2, 37, 
when the prophetess, it speaks of this elderly prophetess, Anna, I think she was about 84 years old or something like that. I, I could be a little out with that age, but I think it was, she was about that. It says in Luke 2, 37, that she never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, praying and fasting. So for her, for Anna, this prophetess, it was a, it was a, it was an act of worship before the Lord day and night that she was praying and fasting. Okay. So I gave you some Bible examples and some reasons why people fasted in the scripture. Why do fasting and prayer go together? Well, we particularly see in the Old Testament, fasting with prayer had to do with a sense of in the people, a sense of need, of dependence, of helplessness on their part in the face of, of actual or anticipated calamity, right? They, they knew, I am helpless here. I can do nothing. I need God. I need him to help me. Um, I am dependent upon him. Um, I, you know, it was this, this humility that came into the hearts of people that they just fully understood. I need God, okay? Um, and prayer and fasting are combined in the Old Testament in times of mourning, like when there's been a death or something like that, um, repentance and, and deep spirit and or deep spiritual need. Okay. Uh, so why, so my question was, why do fasting and prayer go together? And to answer this, you have to know what is happening when you fast. What's happening when we fast? Okay. The point of fasting is that you intentionally, okay, intentionally do you de deny the body for a period of time and in, of food and, and sometimes water as well in the scriptures you see that. And in its state of, of hunger and, and feeling weak, the body, right, you can become more focused on strengthening your spiritual life. Um, now, this is important to know and to note when about fasting. Fasting is not meant to change God. When we fast in a time, even when there's some terrible calamity may happen, um, you're not fasting to change God. Fasting is not a, a twisting of God's arm or like a hunger strike. I'm not going to eat until you do this for me, God. No, no, no. It's meant to change us and help our spiritual acuity, okay? Got that word? Acuity, which means like our senses being sharpened, um, our hearing and our seeing being, being sharpened and heightened. Um, and fasting is a way of humbling the flesh, putting it in its place and, and letting the spirit be strong. Okay, we see this in the life of Jesus. In Matthew chapter four, which we've done already, when he was being tempted by Satan, remember, uh, when he is, um, he is at his physical, physically weakest, okay? Jesus is at his most physically weakest after a 40-day fast. And that's when Satan comes, Satan himself comes and begins to tempt Jesus by suggesting things to Jesus while Jesus is in this very weakened state, physically weakened state. Um, and, and Satan's giving these alternatives to God's plan to Jesus. He's saying, well, why don't you just make these stones into bread, Jesus? Because I know you can. I mean, what's the sense of being hungry when you could just turn the stones into bread, Jesus? And that's not what God wanted. That was not the plan of God. 
right? And, and isn't that just like the devil to come at you when you're at your weakest and, and when you're physically, um, uh, physically a bit shot, you know? But we see that Jesus is able to immediately reply to Satan with scripture and it rises up, this scripture, and he just just blurts it out, the scripture, and to, to answer Satan, to come back at Satan uh, in, in, the, in the terrible thing Satan is trying to, to bring. And Jesus just answers him back with scripture. And in doing this, Satan has nothing more to say regarding the temptation. It's like, okay, I've been put in my place. And eventually, Satan just leaves. The point is this, that Jesus has been in this 40 days and that he's been denying the flesh and praying, this fasting and this praying, that he's um, been feeding his spirit man. And, and so although he was physically weak, he was spiritually strong. And that gave him the ability to deny the flesh when our spirit is strong, you wouldn't think that. You would think that, oh, when you're, when you're physically weak, therefore you would give in to temptation more because, oh, I'm so weak and I'm so hungry and I need the food and I want to do this and I'm going to just, you know, that you think. But actually Jesus is showing us that when we sow to our spirit and when we are building up our spirit person, that actually even when the body is weak, that the spirit person, that there's so much power when we're in, in touch with, with, the, with the spirit, with our spirit life and with the spirit of God in our life, because it's God's spirit in us, isn't it? He gives us that strength and that ability. When, that the spirit of God can even overcome our physical weakness, our spiritual strength, the spiritual strength that God gives us. And that's what Jesus was showing us, okay? And we see... Um, Galatians 5.16 backs this up. It says, but I say, walk um, in the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, right? It says it so clearly when you walk in the spirit, when we have our spiritual senses heightened, right? Which happens in a time of fasting and, and, and um, it, it, a change happens in us in those times that when, when our spiritual eyes and ears are just in a, in a higher sense, in, 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 a, in a sharpened place, that when we begin to walk in the spirit and we begin to hear what the spirit is saying unto us more clearly and when we begin to do and, and, and see through the scriptures what God really wants of us, we're not, we are then able to not gratify the flesh. We're able to, to say no to the things that are temptations out there in a better and stronger way when we live from out of our spirit person. Okay, Luke 4.14 tells us, <coughs> again, <clears throat> back to that account where Jesus had been fasting 40 days and 40 nights and he was physically weak but spiritually just heightened. It says, in, it's the same account in, in, in Luke 4, 14, as it was in Matthew. Um, and it says of Jesus um, that it, Satan eventually leaves when Jesus just keeps responding out of, out of his spiritual strength. And Jesus emerges from this time of fasting and prayer. And it says in Luke 4, 14, and Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. So he left this place of physical weakness, spiritual um, senses all heightened, 
and he left this place, went on to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And a report about him went out through all the surrounding country because he was doing miracles and he was casting out demons. And we know that he needed this spiritual um strength just like we all need spiritual strength and Jesus remember he was um he was fully god but he was fully man and he was showing us that we too need to live in the power of the spirit if we want to see the works of god in our life and boy was he going to have to face the works do the works of god i mean he was even going to face death and 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 uh resurrection i mean wow talk about um in the power of the spirit right okay so Jesus is showing us that fasting is a tool to help bring mastery over the flesh and human nature. And his time in prayer and fasting helped him to walk in the power of the Spirit. And Jesus was going to do all those things, like I said, miracles, casting out demons. He was going to face death and overcome it. And he did all this, again, in the power of the Spirit, not in the flesh. So it didn't matter that his flesh was weakened. He actually needed spiritual strength at this time he didn't need physical strength at this time he needed spiritual strength and oftentimes think about our difficulties our impending problems we when we can't when we realize our helplessness and we realize i can't do this i can't meet this need in my life i can't i can't do it there's an impending horrible thing upcoming potentially and i don't know i can't i have no Physical strength, no power, no ability, no wisdom to meet this. I don't need my flesh because my flesh can't do it. I need, I need spiritual strength. Great time to fast. Great time to fast. Okay? Because we need the power of the spirit and not the flesh like Jesus showed us. Um, and if Jesus needed to be, to be in the power of the spirit, oh my goodness, how much more do I need that? How much more do you need that? Jesus was showing us this. Okay, so fasting along with prayer is a way to heighten spiritual awareness in a world and a culture very much like our own. It was the same probably in Jesus' days that wants to deaden spiritual awareness. This world, this culture that we live in at every turn is feeding our flesh. Billboards out there that are so highly sexualized, it is ridiculous. And that is on site for your little three and four-year-olds to see as you go past billboards. Never mind billboards. Let's talk about our telephones, you know, our, our, our phones. Sometimes we can't control what algorithms may have gotten on there, you know, because I, I think that sometimes our phones are even responding to just the things we speak and say. And the adverts and the horrible things that come popping up on our phone and the, just to feed the flesh. And not all of it's terrible, but it's part of our, our culture. What is, what is idolized in our culture? Beauty, aesthetic beauty, beauty of features, beauty of body. Um, what else? Uh, wealth, power, um, ri being rich. Um, those are the things that are idolized and fed into us, into our children. And it is a bombardment upon our flesh and in a culture like that in a culture that is trying to deaden our spiritual awareness and quite successfully i might add because even christians can be so dull spiritually 
sometimes we think I just don't hear God I'm not hearing God in my situation you know there may come a time where you need to do just opposite of what our culture and our world is telling us and you may need to silence the flesh and to put the flesh in its place and say no flesh I am now going to use this time I'm not going to feed you I'm not going to feed you. You can be a little bit hungry. You're going to be okay, you know, for a day or two or three or whatever. (coughs) And I am going to feed my spirit person. I'm going to pray. I'm going to read the word. I'm going to listen to things that are going to edify my spirit. And I'm going to sharpen up my spiritual senses so that I can be walking more in the power of the spirit so that I can hear God for my situation, that I can hear for wisdom in my situation. I just think, Isn't God amazing how he's given us this tool that we see in scripture? It's a a tool given to us by God to combat this world that just wants to feed the flesh, pamper the flesh, make the flesh feel good. Okay, the scriptures speak of the last days as being a time when people will be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. That's 2 Timothy 3, 4, all right? Is that not our culture? We love pleasure. We love to just sit back and be comfortable and just, ah, I just want to not do anything. I just want to sit and watch TV all day. I just want to eat sweets all day. I just want to, you know, I just want to do what makes me feel good, you know? Uh, And we can all agree, all right? We can all agree. Don't be super spiritual on this point. Fasting is not pleasurable, okay? I'm just going to put it right out there. Fasting is not pleasurable. (laughs) Being hungry is uncomfortable. You feel weak. You feel tired. It's hard to concentrate sometimes. It's hard to think and get your thoughts together, especially at the start of a fast. Your flesh is absolutely screaming out inside you, even while you're praying when you're fasting. You're thinking, oh man, I could just really use a piece of toast right now, you know? I mean, it's like amazing that what comes up in a fast. Fasting now, just point to point this out, has become very popular in the world today as a health tool. They do a lot of this um, intermittent fasting. It's so popular. And they do it for what? Not spiritual reasons, but it's meant to be a weight loss tool, a weight loss method, or a detox for your body. When you're doing a spiritual fast, like Jesus is talking about, that is not why you're doing it. You are not doing it for weight loss. You are, that might happen. You might lose weight, but that is not why you're doing it. And God sees the heart. It is not a detox for your body. God sees the heart. Remember, he's always looking at the heart. It must be for the right reasons when you're doing a spiritual fast. As a spiritual tool, like Jesus is talking about, it goes against the nature of our culture the nature of the flesh, okay? When you're doing it as a, as a weight loss thing or because popular culture tells us, oh, this is what we do. We do intermittent fasting. It helps you have a flat belly and whatever. That is not spiritual fasting, okay? <clears throat> but when we do it in the spiritual sense, it is something that is um, <clears throat> countercultural to our lovers of pleasure culture. Because our culture in, in today's philosophy is if it feels good, do it, Okay? Fasting for spiritual reasons does not feel good to the flesh. You will never be told if you go anywhere in this world with that, that you should fast 
for spiritual reasons. Uh, this world will not tell you that. They'll say, if it feels good, do it. You know, do the, what feels nice. But scripturally, we're encouraged to do what doesn't feed and comfort our flesh to bring, a, to bring about a greater good. And that greater good is that spiritual heightened awareness. Um, yeah. Uh, okay, so why would our culture want to deaden spiritual awareness? as it pertains to the Bible and to Jesus. Why would our culture want to do that? I think it's quite evident. Um, because if people were to become aware of God, because his reality would then um, mean that there would be accountability. And this world does not want to acknowledge God and does not want spiritually heightened senses because they don't want any accountability to God. You know, none at all. The, the Bible calls this rebellion. The world is in rebellion to God. So they don't want heightened sense of, of, of God and of spiritual things. But as the people of God, we have to remember what the scripture says about us. Okay, And this is what the scripture says about us. John 17, 15 through 17. And Jesus was praying for his disciples here in this prayer, okay? This is a prayer of Jesus Christ himself. This would be the red letter edition. This would be red letters, okay? He said this, talking to the Father about us. I am not asking you to take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Jesus prayed for us and he told the father, he said, you know, my children or my, the ones who are my followers, your children, God, are, are not of this world in the same way that I'm not of this world. Jesus was not of this world. And that's why the world hated him, right? The, the intel we get from this world on how to live life will only ever be according to the flesh. What is best for your flesh? It is only from the word of God that you are going to be told to de deny your flesh for this time, right? To heighten your spiritual senses. Like I said, though, this culture does talk about fasting, but it's never in a spiritual sense. It's always for the physical good. Again, even their fasting is to make the body better. Okay? Okay. I also see... Personally, I feel, this is a personal view, I see fasting as a way of saying to God, I need you in my life, in this situation, more than I need anything from this life. Even that which is life to my body, food. I need you more than food. It reminds me of that, there's a song, it's such a beautiful song, you might want to look this song up, where the words of the song is, where you're speaking to God and saying, you are the air I breathe. That there's a song and it, that's the majority of the words is you are the air I breathe. Um, saying you are what I need. You know, this world tells me I need food. I need water. I need comfort. And we need those things. I'm not saying we don't. To live in this world, you've got to eat. You've got to have clothing. You've got to um, have health. You've got to have these things. But they are idolized by this world. They are everything to this world's philosophy. Jesus is saying there's more. There's more than just the body, okay? He said, isn't, isn't the, you know, more to life than just clothing and food? Jesus said that. 
He said, but it's by every word that comes from the mouth of God. That's what we, we need to live, you know? Let us not forget our spiritual life. And those of us who are more aware that we have a spiritual life because we've become a spiritually alive in Jesus, don't you want your spiritual uh, senses heightened? And that's what fasting brings about in us, along with prayer. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, okay, so... Fasting represents two things that are, like I said, countercultural to modern philosophy. And I took this from an article I read called Bible Nerds um, <laughs> by a man called Mike Napa. Um, and it's talking about, it was talking about uh, the purposes of fasting in our culture as a Christian. So first, the first thing is uh, fasting represents deep sorrow or grief which explains why the Hebrew expression for fasting is afflicting the soul. That's what the Hebrews referred to fasting as, that they were going to purposely afflict the soul, you know, cause their body some, some grief to get on a more spiritual plane. The religious people of Jesus' day asked Jesus why his disciples didn't fast. They're like, well, we're the Pharisees and we're fasting. Why are you and your disciples not fasting? And, um... And the answer that Jesus gives them is very clear cut. Mark 2.19, Jesus replies to them why he wasn't fasting at that time. Um, Jesus replied, do wedding guests fast while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. They can't fast while the groom is with them. And what Jesus is pointing out to them is, is listen, I'm here right now. I am God with these people, with all of you. I am here right now. This is not a time of sadness. This is actually a joyous time. I am here among you. This isn't the time to, to fast. But when I, when I am not, that'll be the time to fast. There will be a time to fast for my disciples. It's just not time right now because I'm amongst them. So he was, he understood, Jesus was pointing out that it is something that we do as a time of mourning, as a time of sorrow and grief when someone has left us. Okay. He's pointed out to them that I'm right here right now. So there's, this is not the fasting time. The, the bridegroom is among you. <coughs> Excuse me. Okay. I don't know what is up with my notes today or I don't, it's either my notes or my fingers, but I'm quite sticky here. Okay, and the second thing about fasting is that it's countercultural. Okay, so the first thing was it, that um, it represents deep sorrow and deep grief, that afflicting of the soul. The second thing that fasting signifies is um, abject humility and repentance, like humility and repentance at the deepest level. That's what abject means, at the deepest level before Almighty God. In this context, uh, fasting is a physical symbol of spiritual desperation over sin, both individually and as a community. Okay, so you can fast as an individual. And sometimes, like I pointed out earlier with Jehoshaphat, the king got all the people to pray. Um, queen Esther got all the people to fast and pray. It was a community thing because they saw, you know, the grief over what could potentially be happening. This, this, um, this humility that you come before God saying, you are our answer. Okay. That's what it represents. It's a visual plea for God to show mercy instead of administ administering deserved judgment on the helpless, sinful one. That's a great attitude to have. It's a great attitude to have. That spiritual desperation um, <coughs> saying, you know, God, I know I don't deserve any good from you. 
All the good that comes from you is your grace. And I'm coming before you saying, I don't deserve anything, but I am in spiritual desperation for you. For you. I don't deserve it. That that entitlement all gone, that we deserve anything. Just always, there's just something about fasting, that, that hum, humility, that repentance, that coming to God and saying, I don't deserve anything from you. It is by grace that I have. A, God looks at these things, right? This visual plea for God to, to, to turn up, right? Instead of having judgment turn up, to say, I'm helpless, I'm helpless and I need you. And in scripture, there is no example in scripture of God refusing mercy to one who expressed this kind of sincere, helpless plea for pity. Even look at the people of Nineveh, who God said were so wicked, so wicked, he was going to wipe them out. And Jonah came. He wanted Jonah to come and preach to them. And when they showed that heart of repentance and mourning over, wow, I have just, I don't deserve your goodness, God. But you, in your goodness, I'm, I'm appealing to you in your goodness because I know you're good. He honored that. And in scripture, he always honored that. He never turned his back on someone like that ever in scripture. And in my notes, I wrote, wow, <laughs> because that's amazing. You know, it's just God gives grace to the humble. You're going to see that again and again in scripture. And fasting is a form of humbling the body, of humbling self. Okay, so here in the scripture that we were looking at today in Matthew 6, where Jesus is telling us how not, how not to pray and also how to pray, I uh, mean how to fast, sorry, how to fast and how not to fast. Um, he's saying, don't fast like the hypocrites. Jesus' definition of a hypocrite, remember, is someone who conceals his true motives. There's one thing in the heart and it doesn't match the outward actions. Um, these people are play acting. They're showing righteousness on the outside, but inside they have no righteousness. They ha they're not doing it for the right reasons. It's like play acting. Um, and the hypocrites Jesus spoke of seemed to be performing acts of righteousness, but they were done to glorify themselves and, and, not, and to be seen by people and not to bring glory to God. So that's what a hypocrite was. Remember that. And, and Jesus is telling us that God doesn't honor that kind of fasting because it's done all wrong, all the wrong reasons to be seen, to just be looked at and people to go, ooh, we've talked about the reasons now why fasting should happen, what should be going on in the heart at that time of fasting. Um, and if, if, you, if people decide to, to fast like a hypocrite just to be seen and do the sad, the sad face thing, that's the full reward. And Jesus says people shouldn't even know we're fasting. You know, fix your face up, make yourself look presentable because he says, and this is the reward, the reward is this, that what is done in secret from the right heart attitude, everything with God is about the heart, right? Out of devotion for him, out of honoring for him, out of wanting to um, show God in a symbolic gesture that I need you more than I need food. I need you more than I need air. I need you even more than I need answers. I need you, God. And so I'm laying all this other stuff of the flesh aside just for now. Because like Jesus said, 
It's by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We want our spiritual senses heightened so that as we read every, every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God, that our eyes and our ears spiritually are just so open to hear what God has to say to us in our situation. And it says that when we do this and we do it the way Jesus says we should do this in the secret place, that the Father will reward us openly. And that's fasting for you. Anyway, I hope I've encouraged you. I hope I've encouraged you to fast. You know, historically, I have hated fasting. Like I said, it is not pleasurable. But it's something that I've really begun to see in a different light. And I'm going to look at it as the spiritual tool that it is. And also as an act before God that I just want, God, I, I need to hear your voice. I'm desperate. I love you. And I want to hear your voice in such a clear way. Have a great week this week. Just to let you know, there will be no Bible study next week. I am a, a, away for two weeks. Sorry, my husband is just making gestures to me in the corner here. It's two weeks. There will, And I'll put a notice out so you don't forget. But we are off for two weeks, at which time we will resume and we will begin again in the book of Matthew. Have a wonderful week. Bye.